Imagine an institution that has care of approximately 21 million items, as the Historical Society of Pennsylvania does in its archives. At first, we might think of boxes and boxes and stacks and stacks of census records and legislative ledgers and geological surveys. But if we give it more than a moment's thought, we realize that even number-laden documents refer to people at a specific time and a specific place. So we need to go beyond the dusty, musty storehouse label and listen now to Jenny Sharp of UCLA. She suggests that anyone who has spent time in a repository of official records or special collections with their printed, typed, or neatly transcribed documents, handwritten drafts, and more personal papers like diaries and letters, knows that feeling of anticipation when a cardboard box, fragile manuscript, or leather-bound ledger is carried majestically into the reading room. Archives are as tactile as they are visual. To see writing on the page from the hand of a person who is long dead, or to run one's fingers along the letters on parchment that was once living skin, makes us feel as if we are actually touching the past. Somehow, we let ourselves believe the past is not dead. That from Immaterial Archives by Jenny Sharp. Dr. Sharp centers on the tactile, the material, with emphasis on the person, the personal, celebrating the hand that wrote the letter, or the diary entry, or the manuscript. Manuscript, of course, coming from the Latin written by hand. It's only incidental that this is a piece by W.C. Handy, musician, composer, and arranger. What's significant for us is that the Historical Society of Pennsylvania has in its collections handwritten musical manuscripts by W.C. Handy. And we can connect with the composer on that level. The past becomes present as Dr. Sharp suggests, as we see those notes on the page. Yes, written in 1915, the hesitating blues, but for us, it's 1915 in 2021. The Historical Society of Pennsylvania not only has manuscripts by W.C. Handy, but listen, listen to this. John Dunlap's printer's proof of the Declaration of Independence is in the holdings. Dunlap's printer proof of the Declaration of Independence on the evening of July 4, 1776, a Philadelphia printer named John Dunlap was tasked with printing broadsides of the Declaration of Independence, the 29-year-old Irish immigrant completed the project by the following day, and copies of the Declaration were sent to the committees of safety in each colony and to George Washington. 
of the 26 remaining copies, the only surviving proof copy is in HSP's collections. And there's more. The first handwritten drafts of the U.S. Constitution are in the HSP holdings. So we can begin to sense something of the power of this repository. These documents and more, helping us understand something about who we've been, who we are, and who we might aspire to be, with all the struggles, failures, hopes, and dreams along the way. Founded in 1824, the Historical Society of Pennsylvania is one of the oldest historical societies in the country and one of the largest family history libraries in the nation. Following a complete merger with the Balsh Institute for Ethnic Studies in 2002, HSP is also a leading repository of immigrant and ethnic history. It is second only to the Library of Congress for material on the nation's founding and is one of the country's most comprehensive centers for genealogical study, and it is located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. On November 30th, 2020, Dr. David R. Brigham became the president and CEO of the Historical Society of Pennsylvania, and we've had a chance to talk by phone with him about the venerable institution. And today, in part two of our conversation, we learn more. We're approaching our 200th anniversary in 2024. We were founded in 1824, so we're, we're beginning to talk about ways to mark that anniversary. And one thing we're, we're hoping to accomplish is to publish a book to draw attention to some of these treasures and, and the breadth of the treasures. And so I had a session with my staff entirely on a Zoom call talking about their experience in the collections. And, you know, I was drawn to certain things and they were drawn to other things. So they were giving me their favorite dimensions of the collection. And I left that meeting with 26 pages of notes. So that was an hour's effort of, you know, an experienced and knowledgeable staff offering up things that they think are really important. And some of the things I will share with you that, that just completely floored me some of these are well-known, and, and so I'll start with those well-known items. Uh, HSP has two handwritten drafts of the United States Constitution, and, you know, the, these are things that show the ideas of our nation as they're being formed in real time on a single document, and, and that's just a, you know, astonishing thing. We have a land deed from the Lenny Lenape people to William Penn in 1683, transferring 100 square miles of land that today makes up Bucks County or much of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. It's a beautiful document, of course, handwritten. And the, the signatures of the Lenny Lenape leaders are drawings of animals. So the, these were their symbols and the way that they communicated their names. We have William Still's diary. William Still was an African-American leader in the Underground Railroad. And every day, Every day that there was activity, he wrote in his diary, and he recorded the names of the people who were making their way to freedom. He recorded their slave names, he recorded their new names, and he recorded where they came from and where they were going to. There are about a 1,000 people that he helped to free, so one person a week for 20 years. And there's a page 
dedicated to Harriet Tubman and when Harriet Tubman came through Philadelphia, leading others to freedom. So it's just a, again, remarkable document of American history. We have original manuscripts of music written by W.C. Handy, the founder of uh, blues music, the the father of of the blues. And, you know, to see W.C. Handy working out ideas on paper in his own hand is just a remarkable thing. We have drawings that were made by a young woman who was in a Japanese internment camp in California. Again, we're the Historical Society of Pennsylvania, so why would that be in Philadelphia. Well, of course, she settled here. This is where her family came after the war was over and, and after uh, after these families who had been imprisoned simply because they had immigrated from Japan or were of Japanese descent, that this is where she came and with her family and settled. And, you know, she realized that these drawings were special and wanted them to be preserved. And, and so we are the proud caretakers of of those beautiful drawings. And then a man named John Fryer, who was a psychiatrist here in Philadelphia, made a speech to the American Psychiatric Association urging his professional peers to declare that homosexuality is not an illness. It, It was listed at that time as a mental illness in their official roster of diseases. And so he made a He made a famous speech in which he urged his peers to see that differently. And ultimately, he prevailed. And we have that original speech in our collection. And that will be the subject of a PBS documentary later this year. So the collections find their way to different people for different uses. It may be someone recovering family history. It may be someone, you know, learning something about topic that they care deeply about. It may be someone writing a book or making a film. It may be someone making a creative work, a novel or a play, or an original musical composition. So the collections are here, and and they're being preserved for all kinds of users, putting them to all kinds of uses. If we now approach the HSP we get a sense of those layers. There's the level of research like you were doing There is the reaching out to historical societies and genealogy folks who have specific needs in terms of research. There are public programs that you offer to extend the reach of what is in the holdings. And in these COVID times, obviously, so much of that is online and education, teachers and all those sorts of things. So there is that broad sense of let's do all of it. Absolutely, Erica. So let, let me jump in on the theme of genealogy. That, that is one of our core strengths as well. We have just remarkable resources related to researching family history. We have church records and cemetery records, and we also have records of you know, social and mutual benefit organizations. So one of the things we have, or, or two of the collections that we have, that actually come from your part of Pennsylvania are the Russian Brotherhood Organization of the United States of America papers, which span 1900 to 2013. And they represent the Russian Brotherhood supported immigrant families from, from the Ukraine and, and Slovakia. So they, they help to paint a picture of 
family life and, and also provide specific records of uh, birth and death that can be really irreplaceable when one is trying to trace uh, family history. And they published a newspaper that, that recorded what they referred to as the news of the old country. So connecting people up with their ancestors and the ongoing life of their cousins and extended family in the, quote, old country. So, you know, that news became particularly important during the world wars when the conflicts were taking place and hearing how people were faring and and how their homeland was faring in the midst of, of the worst conflicts. Also from your part of the state, we have the Pennsylvania Slovak Catholic Union records, uh, which date from, well, the, the union was formed in 1893, and it's, it's a very extensive collection that, that also helps us to understand family history and, you know, to help, help families track their grandparents and great-grandparents and, and extended families. So not only do we care for these collections, but we make them accessible to a wide range of audience who might come into our reading room and want to understand where they came from and, and who their ancestors are. We offer courses in genealogy. That there are individual sessions that might be about how to go about researching in church records or cemetery records. And then we have courses called Foundations of Genealogy, and then there's a second level of that course. So, you know, we're providing training for for people who, you know, may not have had the benefit of that graduate education, who are very interested in recovering that family history so that they can pass it down to their, their grandchildren. When most of our ancestors came over, they were busy making ends meet and not thinking about recording all these things. And, you know, a lot of it was kept through oral tradition and there was often a, a grandparent who knew these connections, but when that person passed, the, the knowledge wasn't necessarily passed along before they died. So recovering that has become, I think, very important. And genealogy has become, I actually heard someone say, the most popular hobby in the United States. I don't know if that's hyperbole, but it's certainly a very popular hobby, and, and we can support those interests, especially as they relate to Pennsylvania and the immigrants who came to this part of the country. We have a collection called the Balch Institute Collection that spans 60 different ethnic groups from around the world. And so those are unique resources that that can only be found at HST. And thank you so much for calling our attention to what might apply in this region, because I know people's ears are perking up. I had no idea that that was available. Oh, my gosh. Who, who would expect it? You know, and I think, I think that's when you have 21 million of anything. Partly our job is to protect and, and preserve it and, and, of course, to make it accessible. So these collections are searchable online. When you go to our website, which is hsp.org, you'll find a, a search box and you can type in a search term and it will help you, you know, lead you to what resources we might have. We also have the opportunity to chat with a librarian at scheduled times. And of course, as you said, Erica, one of the upsides, the maybe few upsides or silver linings of COVID is that we've gotten very good at communicating 
through Zoom and through other online media. So we're constantly offering lectures and, and courses and seminars. We're, we're even doing virtual field trips for school children where they can experience some of this history in a customized way and guided way through, through an online field trip. And in good times, you have a speaker's bureau and you'll send people out to talk on a range of fascinating subjects. I see one that is for people interested in the paranormal and ghosts. You can tell about the collection of of a subject like that at HSP, which people might think, well, no, that would be outside the bounds. This is history. It's it's astonishing what, what we can respond to. You haven't been there too long. Let me just ask you personally. It sounds like you have been surprised. 26 pages of notes of things, some of the things that you knew about, and fresh things, and you get to take the organization into the celebration of the anniversary, which is a wonderful occasion for reflection and perhaps fundraising to keep the mission going. But you were drawn to say... I'd love to have a chance to lead this organization for all of the reasons we can hear it, the excitement in your voice about all the many things this society does and the vision that the society has. But can you articulate that sense of what it does for your heart to know that you are there able to do this leadership work? Now, you gave us a sense about broadening the scope in terms of the coverage of Pennsylvania, but other things that you are dreaming of and that you are touched by? Well, Erica, it's a it's a great question, and I think you know really what what I hope to do is is share the collections much more widely. So I I really appreciate this opportunity to tell our story to your listeners and and hopefully entice them to at least take a look at our website, if not come and visit us. You know, to take advantage of these incredible stores of of knowledge and information. I think today. We're so spoiled by the Internet, which is a wonderful thing, that we expect all of the answers can be found on the Internet, but they actually can't. And, you know, the Internet will lead you into our collections, but ultimately to really grasp them and use them, one needs to sit in front of them and and to spend time with them. And so I, I hope it gives people, you know, historical perspective I think that we we live to our peril when we don't pay attention to history because if we're not aware of our past, we're we're going to probably repeat some mistakes. And so I think that the past can teach us about the present moment. It can also help us to make better decisions about where we're going as individuals and as a society going forward. You know, just this year, not only HSP but some of our peer institutions have done some really interesting work marking the 100th anniversary of the women's suffrage movement and the passage of the 19th Amendment granting women in the United States the right to vote. And we've been engaged in a partnership with a number of research libraries around the Philadelphia area, tracing 100 years of women's activism. So, you know, when we celebrate anniversaries, we ought to also be careful not to think that they just happen in a moment. The women's suffrage movement was the result of 100 years of activity by American women and and certainly by women on the other side of the Atlantic. And so those voices are preserved in our collection through diaries, through letters that they wrote to those who were close to them, but also their public voices 
that were expressed in newspapers and broadsides and lectures and things of that nature. Women were active in other social movements, like the abolition movement. We, we have literary records, which are quite extraordinary, related to the, for instance, the J.B. Lipton-Cott Publishing Company, which published the work of English writers like Arthur Conan Doyle and Rudyard Kipling and Oscar Wilde, and, and we have letters from the publisher to, to those authors. So really, my point is that there's something for everyone, and, and everyone should feel that this is a resource for them to use, whether they're tracing their own personal family history, writing a paper for school, or just simply you know, looking to nourish their soul in some way on a topic that, that's particularly interesting or inspiring to them. And, you know, we'd just encourage everyone who, who has enjoyed this to take a look at hsp.org, and you'll find, you know, a list of upcoming programs. We're trying to do at least two or three programs a month for the public, and uh, you'll find a whole range of topics from the Spanish influenza epidemic in 1918 to John James Audubon and just a whole range of topics. So keep Keep your eye on that website, and we're a member-supported organization, and, and our members enjoy many benefits, including access and a beautiful quarterly magazine that we publish called the Pennsylvania Magazine of History and Biography that helps us to keep up to date with news stories that are being told by our historians. 21 million, that's a big number, no matter how you look at it. And I'm sure that people are wanting, when they come across remarkable discoveries and want to keep them safe, if they fit your guidelines, you might be absorbing more as time goes by, I would imagine. We would love to hear from people who have collections. And, you know, again, things, things that might seem like they tell a personal story often tell also a story about who we are as a people. So we're very interested in those collections you know, that are unique, letters, photographs, manuscripts are really our greatest strength when we talk about 21 million items in our collection. Over 20 million of those are manuscripts. So it's a, it's a very, very rich part of our collection. You, you mentioned newspapers. We have newspapers on microfilm. We also have printed volumes going back to the 18th century. And our conservator, the person in charge of caring for the collection physically, recently showed me a volume of a newspaper published in Germantown in 1787, translating the United States Constitution into German, setting it in type, and publishing it just a couple weeks after it was completed for public consumption in the German-American community. And in the 18th century, the German population was among the largest immigrant populations in Pennsylvania. So it, it had a very substantial audience, and it's just fascinating to see the Constitution getting disseminated in different languages within, within weeks of its completion. On November 30th, 2020, Dr. David R. Brigham became the president and CEO of the Historical Society of Pennsylvania based in Philadelphia. And we've had a chance to talk by phone with him about this venerable institution and its holdings. Today was part two. And if you would like to hear the first part of our conversation, you can find it listed on the WVIA website under Artscene, wvia.org 
wvia.org. The Historical Society of Pennsylvania, founded in 1824, one of the oldest historical societies and one of the largest family history libraries in the nation. We heard about some of the highlights of the collection today. They have public programming and they have a speaker's bureau and so much more. And Dr. Brigham urges us all to visit the website and see what's available for us. If you're a teacher, lots of resources for your work with students. It's hsp.org, hsp.org, the Historical Society of Pennsylvania. <laughs>